This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Last week we talked about Thanksgiving, and I encouraged you to make sure that you take the opportunity to thank someone. Remember we talked about the fact that sometimes we have to go back to someone who helped us and blessed us because they enabled us to move forward. And uh, so I encouraged you to, to not lose that, not overlook that opportunity. And many of you did that. Now, some of you wrote me or Cindy, and, and that was a blessing. Others of you copied us when you were writing someone else, and we've heard the stories that have begun. And so if you, if you were one of those people that received thanks from someone else, you experienced the exact thing that we said last week. Feeling thankful is not adequate. Feeling thankful just doesn't cut it. Gratitude that isn't shared, isn't communicated, feels just like ingratitude. And what you've experienced is that now just the opposite is also true. That when the converse is true, that when we share thankfulness, when we express our gratitude, it's multiplied. So I hope many of you, I know many of you have already had that opportunity. If you haven't, it's not too late. And I'm going to encourage you to offer thanks to someone who's been a blessing to you. Well, uh, I'd love to know how your Thanksgiving went. Some of us, we've already shared. I heard about, uh, I heard about a couple. I could relate. If, if, you're, if you're an adult, you have adult children, and you've tried to get them to come home for Thanksgiving or for a holiday, you, you will understand this story. I read about uh, a, an older couple. They, anyway, this is how it goes. The day before Thanksgiving, an elderly man in Phoenix called his son who lived in New York, and he said to him, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. 45 years of misery is enough. We are sick of each other, so sick, in fact, that I don't want to talk anymore, so I'll let you call your sister in Chicago and tell her. So frantic, the son called the sister in Chicago. She was, of course, the firstborn. And uh, on the phone, she exploded. She goes, uh, like heck, they're getting divorced. She shouted, I'll take care of this. And then she hung up. She called Phoenix right away. And she said to her father, you are not getting divorced. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother. We're both going to be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? So the, the elderly man hung up the phone and he said, honey, kids are coming for Thanksgiving after all. <laughs> And they're paying for their, for, for their own flights. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, don't underestimate wisdom. It comes with the years, right? Uh, so maybe you went through some of that tension. You've got those awkward family gatherings. It, it, everyone has them. And if you don't, just wait. An adult child's going to marry somebody, okay? But it happens to all of us. So each of us could tell a story. And I, and I hope that all of you have some wonderful things to say and we could all laugh a little bit about those awkward things. And a few of them are, are not even quite as laughable as we might say. Sometimes it's painful. People are missing. We're really entering a time of year. It starts with the preparation for Thanksgiving and then once Thanksgiving, between now and the end of the year, we enter this, this holiday season. And if we're honest... You know, like if there, was a, if there was one road sign that should go up in front of holidays, it should say, you know, dangerous curves ahead, 
right? Because there's so many things to maneuver and navigate, so many relationships and past hurts, and, it just, and it gets a little crazy, especially if uh, it accentuates perhaps a disappointment or maybe a loss. Isn't it interesting how we can have a number of people around the table and all we can think about is the person who isn't there? It's, it's true for all of us. So I guess what I want to do is to make sure that we, as followers of Jesus, those of you that know Jesus as your Savior, that we are uh, going into this season with our eyes wide open and that we're prepared to deal with the challenges that come and to do it in a way that actually brings God glory and where Jesus can work in us and through us rather than just surviving the holidays. If, if we're honest, sometimes that's our highest hope, just to su survive it. And I just want to say I think Jesus can enable us to make it so much more than that. Now, you might be surprised to find out I mean, he's given us several things that are going to help us make it through the holiday season. But the one thing I want to talk about this morning is something that you probably have an abundance of already. One of the things that Jesus has given us as we go into the holidays so that we kind of know how to deal with it, the thing that he's given us, this gift, this tool, they're leftovers. I'm not sure if you know this, but Jesus had a purpose for leftovers. Uh, how many of you have a few leftovers? I, I, I snapped a picture of my dinner last night. That, I said I'd never do that, but, you know, I, I did just because I knew what we were talking about today. Leftovers can be great the first or second day. <laughs> Next week, not so much. I, in fact, I heard a story. Um, there was this uh, pastor's wife, and, and she was amazing at saving money by reusing meals until they were completely used up. So she would conserve the food, and she rarely threw any of it away. And at one meal, she gave her husband nothing. The entire meal was leftovers. And he obviously wasn't really enthusiastic about it. She noticed, she said, well, honey, um, you, you haven't said grace yet. And he, he smiled. He said, sweetie, um, I didn't forget the blessing. If, if you can show me even one item here that hasn't been blessed at least two times already, <laughs> otherwise, I don't, I don't see what one more prayer is going to do for it. <laughs> so I don't know whether leftovers are great things in your home or they're just terrible. Like, you know, anyway. I, but I, here's the point. Jesus actually talked about leftovers. I'm not kidding you. He talked about leftovers. And in fact, he has a purpose for leftovers. The only question is whether you and I are going to be blessed by leftovers or we're going to be blinded by them. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible of your own, uh, there's a blue hardcover copy someplace there near you. Or you can just follow along. We'll project the text up here as well. Starting in verse 11, um, there's this story that Mark relates And, and we read this. He says, And the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. 
And he sighed deeply and he said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given it. Now, if we have to kind of fast forward, I guess, to give you the background. But in Mark chapter 6, Mark told us about an event, one that you may be familiar with. Jesus was teaching a crowd of people, at least 5,000 there. There was no place for them to go and get food late in the day. And so he told the disciples, well, you guys, why don't you feed them? And the disciples were like, you must be kidding me. We don't have enough to feed these guys. There's over 5,000, and we've got five loaves, two fish. This will never happen. And, and you know what happens. Jesus took what they had, and he blessed it. And then he gave it out, and it fed everyone there plus. So then a couple chapters before, after that, now just before our text that we just wrote, in Mark chapter 8, again Jesus was teaching, this time over 4,000 people in attendance. Now you would think the first time he fed 5,000 with the loaves and fish, you, you would think they would learn a lesson. And just two chapters later, we don't know what the timeline is, but not, it couldn't have been very long. He, the same setting, he goes, well, why don't you guys feed them? And don't you know, they come up with the same lame, oh, how would we do that? you got to wonder what was wrong with these guys. And so Jesus, for a second time, feeds those 4,000 with seven loaves. And they picked up baskets full of leftover. Now, it's after that has happened that then he withdraws with his disciples. And, and that's where this happens. Where all of a sudden, the Pharisees come to him, and they start challenging him and testing him, trying to show how smart they are and how wrong he is. And the irony is they ask for a sign. Well, show us proof. He's already done signs. And so Jesus says, no sign will be given. Well, actually, that's not true, Jesus. You just gave signs. Perhaps it would be more accurate if he'd said, no sign will be useful. Because the truth of the matter is, there is not a sign, there is not a proof that will convince someone against their will. When a person refuses to believe, no sign will change that. Which, by the way, is, that's even good to remember as we have family and friends over. And, and you've, you're burdened for those who don't know Jesus. Honestly, they probably already know what you believe. There's no reason to drill at it again. Nothing will change their mind until their heart changes. You could pray for that not feel like you have to drill into them. Well, and anyway, Jesus makes it clear. There's no sign that will work. And then it says that he, he got in a boat and he, and he traveled with his disciples. Okay, Steve, I'm not sure why we're not working here, but um, there we go. So after he'd had this conversation with the Pharisees, then it says he left them, he got back into the boat, and he crossed to the other side. So now you're like, come on, let's get out of here, guys, and they all pile in the boat. And now they're leaving. And, and as they're pulling away, I can imagine Jesus even looking at these Pharisees on the, on the, on the shore. He's looking at them, and disciples are listening. And he, he says something. He says out loud, be careful. Be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. I think it's really clear in the context that Jesus was referring to this, this infectious aspect of unbelief. 
But the disciples are a bit dim-witted. You see, he's warning them about the yeast of the... And by the way, for us, this is... It, it, we kind of lose it in, in translation. For us, yeast is pretty harmless and innocuous. You just put it in things to make it rise. But in this culture, although they used yeast, think about the danger. I mean, if you, if you put yeast into your bread and it rose, but if it went too long or if it was the wrong kind or if something went south on this and it infected the entire batch, everybody could get sick. There really was a sense. When you think of yeast, you don't think of risk. <laughs> we just don't in our culture. But in this culture, yeast really did have a sense of risk. You had to watch it and make sure it was doing what it was supposed to do. And so Jesus is saying, you've got to be careful with this kind of unbelief. They refuse to believe no matter what. However, the disciples, ah, the disciples, as dim-witted as they are, they respond. Next, Steve. So, I don't know what it be. Now, it says in verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for the one loaf that they had with them on the boat. Or not. And they discussed this with one another, and they said, oh, it's because we have no bread. So Jesus is talking about yeast. Oh, Got to be careful. He's obviously talking about unbelief amongst the Pharisees and Herod, but that's not what they hear. What do they hear? They think it's a, it's a, it's a commentary on their mistake of not bringing bread. Now, in one sense, you could kind of understand why Jesus might, why he might make such a comment. I mean, how many times are they going to go someplace and then say, oops, we forgot to bring food? I mean, it happens again and again and again. So in one sense, you've got to wonder, how is it possible these guys get on a boat to go on a trip and they, again, they don't bring bread? But what's more interesting to me is Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson. And instead of hearing the lesson that he's trying to teach, they are so preoccupied with actual food or so preoccupied with their failure to provide actual food that they completely miss what he's trying to say. Next slide. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus says next. Aware, verse 17, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them four questions now. Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? He just talked about the Pharisees and Herod. Are your hearts hardened too? Do you have eyes but you fail to see? Do you have ears but you fail to hear? You know, it's interesting. During those two supernatural feedings in Mark 6 and Mark 8, there's no record of the, uh, uh, the disciples going, wow, this is amazing. How did he do that? There's, and, um, maybe they did, but there's no record of the awe that you would expect. Is it because they were so busy picking up baskets full of leftovers? 
Is it possible that their preoccupation with actual physical bread blinded them then, just like it's blinding them now? You see, their preoccupation with their material needs left them deaf to a warning about not hearing and left them blind to a warning about blindness. Isn't that ironic? That the very thing that he was talking to them about, they would miss? And they missed it because they were preoccupied with the thing that he had been providing for them all along. Next slide. The desire to meet our immediate needs, our immediate material needs, or to secure our future material needs can blind us to, God, to what God's doing in our lives. Think about it. Even reflect maybe back on your Thanksgiving. Hopefully you were thankful, but even in the midst of being thankful, did it occur to you, yeah, but... Yeah, but it sure would be nice if. Yeah, well, we barely made, well, and, and there was some caveat. There's something like, uh, we just slid in under the wire. Was there that sense of there's, there's still a need, the future is not secure, or we were able to do it this year, I don't know about next year. The irony is, for the disciples and for us, being preoccupied with material needs either immediately or future securing of them, can actually leave us blind to what Jesus is trying to say to us. So he says, don't you understand yet? Don't you understand? What, what was it that they were supposed to understand? See, this is where I hate preaching because you know that I'm about to say, so you don't have to think. What if we were to stop? What if you had to fill in the blank before me on your little notes? What, what was it that he was surprised they didn't understand yet? Number one, new slide. Listen to what he says. Don't you remember? He, and, and I want you to notice the purpose that Jesus gave to leftovers. Don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets, full, baskets fulls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they said. Next slide. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up then? Seven. Now, this is pretty ironic. The guys that can't remember to bring lunch on the trip still remember how many baskets full of leftovers they picked up. Both instances, 12 baskets, seven. Isn't it interesting how the leftovers did stick out in their mind? but not for the same reason. Is it possible they're thinking, well, we had 12 baskets full then, but that didn't last that long. We had seven baskets full, but after a while, that was gone. Wow. 
how easy it is for us to receive a basketful of abundance. And then we burn through it. And then he sends another basketful of abundance, and we burn through that. And then all of a sudden we look at him like, oh, we're going to starve. He says, don't you understand? Understand what? Are you sending another basket? Is that the lesson? I think it's part of it. Next slide. Do you still not understand? Next. Jesus is the source of all the material things they need. That's the first most basic lesson. He's the source. Verse, uh, next slide. Verse 14, it says this. this. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for the one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Now, it's interesting. Um, there are a number of commentators that think that this little insert, that Luke put that in there on purpose, Mark put it in on purpose. They're talking about not having bread except for the one loaf that was on board with them. I think maybe Mark was implying Jesus was on board with them. They had the mother loaf. They thought they'd forgotten to bring bread, and they're stressing over that. Isn't it silly? Isn't it silly to imagine that they were worried about their next bread? Next slide. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. That promise is true for us. It was just as much true for them. He was there in the flesh. You see, Jesus had a purpose for those leftovers. Those baskets full of leftovers were supposed to be a reminder that he can provide. Isn't it silly? Isn't it silly to worry about whether or not you remembered to bring food if Jesus is actually in the boat with you? The guy who can make stuff appear. It's just silly. Isn't it silly to worry about drowning on a, on a rough sea when it's Jesus who can speak to the sea and calm it or walk to you on it? It is silly. How many more Crowds would he have to feed? How many more baskets full of leftovers would you have to see and handle before you'd realize, if I am here, your needs are met? And yet, how often are we just like those, we're just as dense as the dimwits, the disciples? We can make it through a Thanksgiving, and whew, boy, you know, God provided. And, and almost without a breath, we'll begin worrying about Christmas. <laughs> we're going to we'll start worrying about the, the new year. You know, boy, we just barely made it through this one. But next year, the, well, wait, isn't the same Savior going to be present next year? The, the one who provided. You don't understand, Mike. I mean, there were some close calls. <laughs> close calls meaning until he provided. Well, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I 
You see, there is something about our material needs that can continue to drive us to worry rather than trust. When Jesus makes it very clear that his intention, for the, his purpose for those things, for those abundant leftovers, is to do just the opposite. We should be maybe snapping pictures of the baskets full of leftovers as a reminder. Well, remember that one? Remember that one? Remember that one? So, you know what? I think we're good to go. But that's not what we do. Now, some of you, you didn't have a single thought or worry about the material needs. To be honest, many of us are, are, are blessed to not really, we weren't worrying about whether there's going to be enough food or whether, whether we weren't worried about the, the, the material needs, really. For us, those needs could be different. Other deeper needs. Needs for a sense of purpose. Need for a sense of peace and tranquility. Needs for a sense of being loved and being able to love. Maybe we're supposed to do the same thing. Maybe we're supposed to rehearse those baskets of leftovers that Jesus sends into our lives. The people, even though the people who are supposed to love me let me down. Even though the people that I love most can't be with me. Even though life hasn't turned out the way I had hoped. Even though the fact that when I look toward the future, I feel disappointment, I feel anxiety. And Jesus says, hang on. Think about the leftovers that are already present in your life. People who owe you nothing, and they still invite you over. People who owe you nothing, but they still want to be your friend. They still love you. Jesus has never let you down, and he enables you to be able to be a support to those who need to know him. God has brought so many blessings into your life, even through situations that are disappointing. And yet you've seen over and over again that he brings good out of it. You begin to realize, you know, Jesus has a plan for me, whether I acknowledge it or know it or not. He's faithful when I'm not sure what faithful looks like. Which brings us to the second point. Jesus can satisfy our deepest needs, not just the material ones. The truth is that far beyond just being fed and clothed and sheltered, we all need to know that we have purpose and value. Jesus says, I give you purpose. I love you. And I have called you to follow me. Go to others with needs and meet their needs in my name so that they might know me. So I want to just reflect on a couple of passages as we close. I am not going to apply these. I want you to apply them as the Spirit maybe teaches you. Let's collect a few leftovers, shall we? Here's one. Isaiah 41. Don't worry, because I'm with you. Don't be afraid, because I am your God. I will make you strong. 
I will help you. I will support you. Has that been your experience? How about this one? Psalm 32.8, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. Have there been times in the past year when he took you someplace, a direction that you did not want to go, and then in retrospect, it was the perfect place. You were in just the right spot at just the right time. Is there any reason to believe he won't continue to do that? Next. Lamentations 3. I have hope when I think of this. The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning. Or this. Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Have you experienced in this past year enough to be able to look at a circumstance and say, there is no way that what there is no way that anything that happens next can circumvent what God has planned for me? You can't touch it. Or this. Jeremiah 29. I have good plans for you, he says. Not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. One last passage. Philippians 1. God began doing a good work in you, and I am sure he will continue it until he is finished when Jesus Christ comes again. He will not finish until you look like Jesus. So what do we do? How are we supposed to respond? I think we are supposed to think about leftovers. If you still have leftovers in your fridge, you may even want to go home today, pull something out, set it on the counter, and stare at it. But we're not concerned with white meat and dark meat. We're concerned with cataloging the leftovers from just God's blessings this past year. How many times did he bless, did he bless more abundantly than he even needed to? And we catalog those. Well, Mike, you see, I mean, he's been good in the past, but you don't understand. Right now, it's kind of urgent. Right now, it feels kind of desperate. Right now, and I think, I think there's only one instruction or encouragement that could help. It's in this next slide, two passages. First, Psalm 27, the psalmist writes this. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Do you hear Jesus? Uh, when I fed the 5,000, how many basketfuls did I pick up then? Twelve. Twelve baskets full. Okay. When I fed 4,000, how many baskets full did you pick up? Seven. Seven. You remember that. Seven. The implication is... The next time I bless, is there any reason to believe I'm going to be miserly with you? Next slide. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait 
expectantly. Is that what's wrong? Like children, we want it and we want it now? Christmas is about teaching children to wait. Maybe it's about teaching us to wait. You know, there were 12 baskets full. There were seven baskets full. It's coming. It's coming. In fact, I talked to him about it this morning. He knows the need. He's aware of it. I brought it to his attention. It's coming. But this realization only comes from one place. It doesn't come automatically. Some of you are saying, well, I wish I, I'm not that spiritual. I should be more spiritual. None of us are spiritual. This perspective only comes from Jesus' teaching, which is why this last passage is so important. Romans 15 says this, For everything that was written in the past, including what we just read in Mark, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures. You thought it was about knowledge. Oh, I, I just got to know more. We already know more than what we know what to do with. No, it's the endurance that's taught in the Scriptures. And the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You didn't know it, but Jesus has a purpose for leftovers. He has blessed in the past, giving you more than you asked for, more than you needed. He did that on purpose so that you would look back at it and go, you know what? I may have forgotten to bring bread on this trip, but I think we're going to be okay. Jesus can, t t can turn that rowing oar into a sub. He can provide anywhere. Which, by the way, is why it's so important that you and I know that we must follow him. Being in proximity to him, being in the boat with him, following behind him, hearing him teach, and being reminded of these things in the scriptures. This stuff is written not for eggheads or super spiritual people. It's written for us to remember. I hear his rebuke. Do you still not understand, Mike? Do you have ears, but you're not listening? Do you have eyes, but you're not looking? Do you still not understand? How many more? I'm going to bury you in baskets. So may we learn the lesson of leftovers and be blessed. Let's pray. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this all sounds like a bunch of hooey, I guess. What you don't understand is that all of this provision based on his love, it, it all started with him dying for us in the first place. You see, when we were sinners separated from God, the Father, because of our sin, Jesus loved us enough to come and die for us. He gave his life for us. And now he is offering that life to anyone who would put their faith in him as their savior. Maybe that's you today. Most of your faces I recognize. That means nothing. Have you trusted Christ as your savior? That's the first provision that he's made for you. I want to encourage you to 
put your faith in him today if you haven't. But for those of us that are believers, we are his followers, can you hear the rebuke? Throughout the rest of this season, when you are feeling stressed about the preparations, concerned about the provisions, irritated by the personalities, disappointed in the progress, remember what Jesus said about leftovers. Do you remember last time I provided? How much was left over? Do you really think that I'm going to be present in your life, but then let you starve, let you go without, not listen to your needs? I have a plan for you. And it's not to harm you. Lord Jesus, I'm going to ask on behalf of all of us that not that you would necessarily bless again. You've blessed so much already. I guess I'm going to say, no, go ahead and test us first. Test us and give us the chance to trust you before you bless again. I pray that as we go through this holiday season, that we would not succumb to our culture's focus on materialism, consumerism. The things that we can purchase for ourselves or others, they do not bring joy. Instead, it's those things that we can gift to others. And those things are really just a reflection of your gifts to us. So guard our hearts from being distracted by the things that are yet unmet yet to be healed or corrected. And instead, I pray that you would remind us of the leftovers already in our lives, those abundant times when you have blessed beyond measure that we would look toward the future with hope, that we would grow in an endurance, being encouraged by the very things that we have read. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough to bless us, for leaving leftovers, so that next time, before you answer our prayers, we can look and say, I know he hears. So bless your people. We ask in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.